This is this is this is the Bottom Bends podcast. Oh yeah! Hello and welcome back to the Bottom Bends podcast. Uh, first off, we bit of housekeeping. Just want to apologise for our, uh, no episode last week, folks. Uh, myself, Connor, and Owen, we we all had dissertations to hand in last week, so unfortunately, that that takes precedence. That's more important than having to record an episode. So again, apologies, but that's us. We're back for good now. Back in for the long haul for the rest of the season. Um, I'm joined today by Connor, um, and we're going to be talking on our way through game week four in the Premier League, the game week just before the international break. Uh, so we're going to start it off then with this week's featured game, and it's it's one that we don't really want to talk about, but that we're going to have to talk about. So Manchester United and Arsenal. It was at the Emirates, Arsenal managing to to win the game 3-1. Um, it was a pretty... Look, I, I actually thought it was a fairly even-ish game of football. Like Both sides didn't really create too many chances. Um, I have an interesting stat here that uh, 17 goals um, Martin Odegaard has scored since the start of last season. That's the most of any Arsenal player, showing just how important his impact is within that Arsenal side. So, Connor, really, I think the question to ask is, were Arsenal the better side on the day and are Man United just consistently falling short of the mark now? Um, yeah, I think it's it was kind of clear to see. I know what you're saying. I think a draw might have been a fair result. But it's clear to see the way United set up that Arsenal are a better side than United. They play better football. Um, we kind of talked about that, just how disappointed it is, even at this stage. I know Ten Hag's only in the second season, but United are still playing the same style. And it's not working away from home. I've seen it's that one draw, nine losses against the top 10 away from home, which is, is damning. You know, our home form's been very good, but away from home, very poor. Um you know, so many things have went wrong with United. Like, you score a goal, um, really our first chance, and then, what was it, 35 seconds later, Odegaard has the ball in the back of the net, Erickson switches off. You know, he did set up the goal, and then he switches off 1-1. Um, it, as I said, like it feels like we are like moments FC. We don't create very much. We just create moments. We're rashed. It, it felt exactly like last year's defeat. We score a good goal through Rashford, then we can see like nearly straight away then we'll go on to lose the game late. You know, it's the same old, same old. Um, you know, there was some positives, I think. You know, at the back, you know, Evans, seeing Evans and Maguire together is just, as I was saying there, like, if you said a few weeks ago, that would be our centre-back partnership. At the Emirates for the last 20 minutes, you'd have said, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> That'll never happen. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, just, I actually was disappointed in the way Arsenal played. I thought they didn't create that much. I thought we actually done okay. Like, Odegaard, as you said, is an unbelievable player. But I actually thought would marshal them pretty well for most of the game. But then again, like, that just shows top player, gets his chance, it's in the net. You know, um, Declan Rice's goal, a bit fortunate. But still, that that is one thing that would annoy me. When do you see a guy in that, you know, six-yard box from a corner get to take a touch, have that much time and get a shot away? It's ridiculous, especially that late in the game. People were complaining, oh, Gabriel was it. I just don't believe that, I think. Maguire needs to get out there or Evans needs to get out there but yeah um, you know it, it it just was very very disappointing to be honest yeah I, I completely agree with everything you've said Connor it, and it, it is a difficult one to take really um, I mean look there are some positives to take from the performance just looking at Marcus Rashford he was involved in, in nine attacking sequences and um, that ended in a shot 
Um, so that's more than than any other p- player on the pitch. So I think Rashford on that left hand side clearly shows that's where he's most effective. That's where he needs to be playing. Um, I thought Highland was a bro- was a bright spot when he brought him on. Uh, there was a couple of occasions really where you know he backed right into Saliba, he backed right into Gabriel, and really put them off their game. And he just seemed to be a real handful, a real nuisance up there. Um, look, it was a 2.7, 2.27 to uh, 0.96 XG in favour of Arsenal. Again, on the share of chances, I think that's probably correct. Uh, 55 to 45% possession in favour of Arsenal as well. Um, just a, a bit of a funny stat for you, Connor. Seven goals now Arsenal have conceded from the very first shot that they've faced um, in a league game since the start of 2023. Do you think that would be a concern, really, from Arsenal's defence? Maybe just switching off at kind of key moments in, in games. Definitely. Um, I've seen another stat away or at home. They, they haven't kept a clean sheet. I think it was like, it's been a long time. Um, they've been in, Actually, Arsenal have been in poor form. I know they're 10 points from four games, but you think of last season, the way they ended, they were woeful near the end. I haven't actually been impressed with Arsenal this season. I kind of was going to tip them. I know you, you tipped them to win the title. But then again, they're winning. They're not playing well. But I thought against Fulham last week, they were very disappointing too. They went down... Or Fulham went down 10 men, they conceded late. Uh, that would be a damning statistic. I think Saliba is very good, but you know, I thought Ra- I actually thought Rashford played quite well. He got at Ben White very well. Um, but that that is a huge worry for, for Arsenal. They're conceding a lot of early goals and they've got away with it this week, but they didn't get away with it last week. And if they keep this form up, I think they're not going to challenge for a title. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Uh, throughout the game, Connor, uh, the percentage of successful passes that have ended in the final third of the pitch, Arsenal's was they, they had twenty percent, twenty eight percent of their passes ended in the final third. Man United only had five. Look, but before we came on air here, I said to you, I felt like you know United sort of set up the exact same way that Forest did on the opening day of the season against Arsenal. You know. I, I am really disillusioned with the United at the minute. I don't know what the style of football is. I, I, I don't think there is a clear style of football. You know, I think we were promised this possession-based, this free-flowing, attacking football. And, you know, really a stat like that would just suggest that that's not the case at the minute. Like, in your mind, Connor, what would be the biggest issue that's facing Man United at the minute? Is it the poor transfer business? Is it the wait until deadline day to get the right caliber of player in through the door? Is it on the pitch? What what do you, where where do you think United are falling short at the minute? I think it's a huge list. I think, as you said, the transfer dealing is terrible. Um, you know, you get Amrabat in, you get him on the last day. You know, he wants to come to the club. You try and mess about. Uh, he should have been in about four or five weeks ago. Now we're getting a player that hasn't had a preseason. He hasn't been playing for Fiorentina. You know, we didn't um, recruit at centre back which every fan knew we needed to do financially. I, I've been saying it for years, you know, the financial fair play, yes. You know, we're struggling to sell players. We're overpaying for guys because of our per, you know, recruitment as well. Like, look at Sancho. Like, Jesus, he is completely kind of went off the boil. Um, It's just it's just really, really worrying because I think for like a few years we've been saying if we get injuries, we're in big, big trouble. And... Now we're getting these injuries. I thought Dallow actually, I'll give him a shout out because he actually played okay. But it's not sustainable to be playing Dallow at left back. And now with Lindelof limping, you know, you've ran out for six weeks, Shaw out for 10 weeks. We're going to really struggle. If we have Evans and Maguire in centre back, that's one of the worst centre back partnerships in the league. Evans, yes, was a good defender. You know, was good in the team. You know, he's a good leader. But 
if anybody watched Leicester last year when they got relegated, he was brutal. And he got injured, yes, and then he came back into the side and he was even worse. So for me, worrying, worrying times. Again, I feel like Ten Hag, a lot of people are like, oh, he's got a lot of money to spend and all this, but he is under severe pressure in that, you know, recruitment's been poor. Uh, he has a, he's inherited a, a lot of players like Maguire, Sancho, players that he didn't sign and he doesn't want. And... <sighs> What's the Sancho situation? I, I want to get your opinion on that. It is it is worrying. Um, a player that was allowed. I know we don't know the ins and outs of what's going on within the club, but from the outside looking in, this is the manager that you know let him go away, train for a few months. Um, you know, I know mental health stuff like that, but I think he's done everything he can to help the player, and eventually enough's enough, and he's went. He's not good enough, and he's not playing well enough. And you know what? I'm going to drop him because I didn't sign him for seventy million, and he wasn't my player. And I think he's justified to do it. Yeah, well, I mean, ultimately, he's the manager. You know, he's the guy that makes the decisions. I think with Sancho, it's just incredibly frustrating because you know, even I think rival fans would even admit, you know, there is a there's a player in there. Like, you know, he is. You know, he didn't sign for seventy million for nothing. They put up massive numbers at Dortmund, played really, really well. There was undoubtedly one of their, their best players. Um, you know, it was tailor-made for him to come back to the Premier League and really, you know, show his skill set and, you know, excite fans. And, yeah, Jadon Sancho just hasn't done that at Man United. I, I can't sit here and say there's been a period of, like, five, six, seven weeks where Sancho has put, like, a good, consistent run of performances in. You know, there's games where Sancho will score or assist and you think to yourself, right, this is the turning point. This is where his Manchester United career turns around now. And then for the next three weeks, he's anonymous. You know, it's, yeah, it's very frustrating with Sancho. And it's like you say, Connor, we don't know the ins and outs. And I hope to God, you know, the player is okay mentally and that, you know, this isn't something, you know, this isn't a bigger issue, basically. And I do hope he's all right. But, you know, in terms of just on his footballing ability at Manchester United, it's been completely lacklustre, to be honest. And now, I mean, we have this situation with Anthony. You know, he's just been dropped from the Brazil national team for the allegations that one of his former partners made against him. Like, I, I, like United at the minute, it's 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 a really tumultuous situation. The, the selling of the club as well has been an absolute exactly. disaster. It's just... Exactly, lad. It's a nightmare. And it, it doesn't look like... Everything's going wrong. And the, the, whole, the whole situation has been an absolute joke, um, if we're being honest. I mean, just to finish up on this game, Declan Rice, that's his first goal in an Arsenal shirt. That's a real massive moment for a player like that. Signs for £105 million, comes in, scores the winner against Manchester United. The way he celebrated with the Arsenal fans, clear to see that there's a connection there between player and fans already. So, I mean, for him, Connor, and for Arsenal moving forward, he is going to be a key part of this project. Definitely, um, man of the match. You know, after Arteta was saying how dominant he was, and he was great at breaking up the play, and you can see there's a real player in there. And we kind of said that he needed to add that to his game goals, which he he obviously scored a big goal in a big moment. And I think for, you know Partey obviously is a good player, but Declan Rice offers a lot more. You know, especially passing wise and distribution, and he's got in with a goal. And you know, I think he'll be a big player for Arsenal. And if he keeps this up, you know. He's just going to be a dominant player for Arsenal. And 100 million is a lot of money, but it's a position they needed to upgrade in. And we said it. And I've said, I was going to say that just about Arsenal as well. You could see the depth of the players on that bench compared to United. What United were bringing on, we were bringing on boys like Johnny Evans, and they were bringing on, you know, Jesus, you know, up by Vieira. He's a good player. And um, boys like Nelson, like good young talent. Like, like Smith Rowe can't even get in the squad or into the, 
you know, when there's a, the match. So I think you can see that golfing quality. And I think I think Arsenal have one of the best squads in the Premier League. Them and them and City, I think, are probably the best squads. Yeah, definitely. They definitely are. Well, we'll move it on anyway uh, to Anfield. Uh, Liverpool 3, Aston Villa 0. Really, quite a quite a dominant possession-based performance for Liverpool, really. Um, 64 to 34% uh, in favour of Liverpool in terms of that possession. Um, Salah and Trent with seven attacking sequences each. A really good game played by both of them. They seem to be the most involved down that right-hand side and, and really look to get at Aston Villa down that, that side. Um, Dinier really had a... Had a really tough time trying to keep up with Mo Salah. Um, 2.9 to a 0.69 XG in favour of Liverpool, showing that you know their spur of the chance, their their share of the chances were were ultimately stronger than than Aston Villa's. Connor, look, Villa again. It's like a, a similar sort of start to what United have had. You know, one two, lost two. Um, at times look absolutely brilliant, and then at other times look really really well off the mark I mean after last week's performance from Villa I really thought they were going to go to Liverpool and give them a good rattle but I, I, I don't know I, I just think you know Liverpool ultimately showed out to be to be the stronger side on the day what, what do you think yeah Liverpool Liverpool were impressive um the way Villa kind of play especially away from home is they play with that high line and they take risks and against top teams like Liverpool and we saw it in the first game against Newcastle where they got destroyed as well um Obviously, at home, they're a different side. But, I, yeah, Liverpool looked very good. And I've seen Klopp come out and said it was one of their best performances for a while. Um, they're unbeaten in 15 Premier League games. You know, it, the question is going to be, are they going to be title contenders? Because, you know, I thought midfield have really improved. McAllister, Shabazzley, has been, he was impressive. Great goal as well. Um, Mo Salah as well. Like, the stats on Salah, like, uh, 141st goal in 235 Premier League games. You know, that is mental. And, you know, some of the players like Nunez impre- impressed last week and got an assist. You know, obviously, again, he had five shots I've seen and he hit the, I think he hit the post and the crossbar. Um, but for Liverpool, there is big things coming. Diaz is back playing. You know, Jones is playing well. Arnold, as you said, was very, very good. Uh, for Villa, yeah, it is worrying because it, it is their style of play. They take, you know, they do try and play football, but... I think we need to talk about Liverpool here and how impressive that performance was. And I was really impressed with them last week as well, how they stood up. A lot of teams would have crumbled and got beat 3 or 4-0, especially with a Newcastle. But um, I don't know what you think, but do you think um, Liverpool are genuine title contenders? I know it's early, only four games, but they have looked good. Um, I don't know about title. Um, I just think that the way they've sort of rebuilt the midfield this summer, that that is going to take a little bit of time. And I still think that they needed to strengthen in a couple of positions as well, especially centre-back, um, and they didn't do that. So I, I do think the title is just a little bit out of their reach at the minute. Um, in terms of the attackers that they have, I actually do think that they have like maybe the second-best attack in the league, if, if it, you know, maybe the best attack in the league. Um, so they'll definitely score goals. I'm still concerned about them at the back, um, to be honest. Um, I, th- I think the top four is no problem to them, but I just think the title. When I look at Arsenal, when I look at Man City, I still just think that they are like a, a slight cut above Liverpool at the minute. Um, Mohamed Salah, uh, first player to score or assist in ten consecutive appearances in the Premier League since Mohamed Salah. Um, 
between August and December 2021. So, look, I mean, Salah, Connor, this was a player that was linked very heavily um, away from Liverpool in that last uh, week of the transfer window. Apparently, a £150 million bid was going to be submitted by one of the uh, Saudi Arabian clubs and clubs managed to keep a hold of him. How good, realistically, has this guy been from he has come into the Premier League? Are we looking at, at somebody who... If we're talking all-time Premier League eleven, is Mohamed Salah in there? I think he has to be. You know what a player. You know his goals and stats, as I said. You know I think he's took over Gerard already, um, and the goals he scored. He's just an unbelievable player, and I I don't know why Liverpool would sell him. I do understand people saying saying maybe because he's I think he's thirty thirty one now. You know one hundred fifty million is a lot of money, but. The timing was poor. You know they didn't have any time to then go recruit a player. And how do you, um, you know how do you like get a player out there with the stats that Mo Salah has and what he brings to Liverpool? Um, you know I've seen people saying, oh, they could take the money now and then in January they could buy like go try and get Saka or something like just ridiculous stuff. But uh, this guy, this guy is one of the. He will be a Premier League great. Um, and. You know, as a United fan, obviously, I don't want to see him do well, but he, he is one of the... He is an all-time Premier League player, and I think uh, as the years go on, if he stays another few years, he will be in the Premier League outside because the way he's scoring, um, he's looking like he could get over 200 goals if he stays for long enough. He'll be up there as one of the top scorers in Premier League history. Yeah, he, he absolutely could well be. Um, so we'll move it on then to Turf Moor. Uh, Burnley 2, Spurs 5, uh, Ange Ball really uh, in full flow, Spurs coming from behind um, to, to go and win the game. Um, so th- this is the first of three games that we're going to cover here that had a Premier League hat-trick this weekend, three Premier League hat-trick goal scores this weekend, absolutely crazy, just again highlighting why, why this is the best league in the world. Um, it was a 1.35 to a 2.27 XG in favour of Spurs, 46 to 54% possession in favour of Spurs, and four shots on target to 10 shots on target in favour of Spurs as well. Connor, it really was um, a game that Spurs, you know, they had to dig deep to come back and, and try and press Burnley on, because I actually thought Burnley did show a good account of them, them, themselves up until sort of the last 25 say half an hour, 25 minutes, but I thought Burnley were right in the game, to be honest. Um, I mean, for in, in terms of a Spurs perspective, Connor, it's an excellent result, and getting Son back in amongst the goals again is, is just a positive thing, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, he obviously struggled last year, but he's shown his quality in the Premier League for years, so the player's still in there, and I've seen Alan Jot at the game said it was it was good to see because obviously his, um, his work rate and... You know, his commitment can never be questioned. It was just, you know, his finishing. Uh, but yes, to go down early, uh, 1-0 at Burnley is, is a difficult task to come back and to win the game 5-2. And Burnley scored really late. It was really 5-1. So, brilliant result. Uh, Spurs play really good football, exciting football, uh, which probably makes us a bit jealous because they really go for it and they take risks as w- what you have to do in the Premier League these days. And, you know, at the back, they do concede chances. Um, even when they went two one up, as you said, Dick Burnley were still in the game and did miss good chance. But um, the confidence they have at the minute is is amazing, and Madison has been sensational as well. You have to give him a, a mention at the back to look a lot better too. Uh, Romero's goal was unbelievable, unbelievable. Um, midfield as well, Basuma and Saar 
really, really impressive. Um, and then Sun up top. Uh, if they can get Richarlison firing and they can get, they've obviously bought or brought in Brennan Johnson. You know, if I was a Spurs fan, I would be excited. I do think, you know, the quality of opposition they have faced maybe not the greatest. I see they play Liverpool and Arsenal back to back in a few weeks. That's where the real questions will come. But um, impressive, uh, you know, an impressive win. Like beating any team in the Premier League five two, you know, away from home, scoring five goals, that shows how much of a different team they are this season. And, you know, last season we talked about them just conceded early goals and that, and then they would crumble. This season's the complete opposite. You know, they just keep playing their their football. Uh, no matter what happens, and it's working out at the minute. It is, absolutely, it is. Uh, James Madison, he uh, scored for the successive game in a row. That's now four goal contributions in four games, highlighting just that, you know, that, that recruitment the Spurs have done this summer has really complemented the squad, and, and getting a player like Madison in for £35, £40 million is, is realistically a, a steal in, in this kind of market. So Spurs, yeah, five up, wonderful performance from them. Ange looks to have settled into the Premier League as well as anybody would have hoped that he would have. Um, he's a really likable character, a very honest and open in the media, and just has Spurs playing a brand of football that we haven't seen from, from Mauricio Pochettino left the club. Um, moving it on then, Man City 3, Fulham 1. This is probably one of the strangest games I think we'll cover this season because even though City won the game 3-1 and Haaland scored a hat-trick. The stats for this game are completely bonkers. It's a 1.11 to a 1.31 XG in favour of Fulham. Uh, it was three apiece shots on target. Although in terms of the possession, like you would expect, a 64 to a 36% possession in favour of Manchester City. Now, I, Connor, this game was quite strange because three shots on target apiece. I didn't think City played their best football um, Fulham, I thought, again, were right in the game. The, the, there was some big chances. Ederson had to pull off um, a couple of big saves. It it really was... I, 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 although City were the home side, it was almost like a smash and grab from Man City, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a strange game, as you said. 100% uh, of their shots on target went in, which is crazy. You rarely see that. Um, and then, obviously, we'll talk about the, the second goal was a game changer for me. Um you know, it's definitely offside. They got it wrong and it changed the game because if Fulham going at 1-1 at half-time, it's, it's probably a different game. I think that just demoralised them. And uh, Haaland, obviously a hat-trick. You're by, like, Alvarez, like, very underrated. Goal and three assists. You know, what? A, just a really... A top player, I, I think we've said before in the podcast, could probably start, you know, in striker for any other team in the Premier League, maybe, barring a few. Um, but, like, City, yeah... Wasn't impressed, but then again, as we keep saying, you know, that's that's what the big teams do. The win, when they don't play well, and the win 5-1 is incredible. Um, like Haaland, he scored a hat-trick 17 times he touched the ball. Wasn't involved in the play. Doesn't matter. You know, he still gets a hat-trick. Um, and he gets an assist as well. Uh, but I think we need to talk... The, the offside call was ridiculous. You know, basically jumps over the ball right in front of the goalkeeper. How that isn't called offside, I don't know. Is that not what VAR is for? To that is basically a hundred percent wrong. That is, that is brutal. Like some of these calls, like are tight, and then they they won't change them. But this one, he definitely obstructed the keeper. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, some of the calls this weekend, especially, were 
pathetic, to be honest. Sorry, I also should have clarified before I started. The stats that I called out there were just from the, f- the first half of the game. Um, yeah. uh, obviously, in the rest of the game, those stats obviously did change. The game did finish 5-1. I was sitting there going 3-1. They, and did, they, they and did have five shots on target, five goals. Yeah. Like that's dead. Yeah. Like that's crazy. That's, well, that, that's my fault. I should have clarified that those stats were oh. just for the first half. Um, but no, I completely agree with you, Connor. VAR, I think so far this season is again just doing nothing but causing controversy and and leaving fans with more questions unanswered than actually answered. We're getting the wrong calls consistently. Look, if I can go, if, if I can just teeter back to Arsenal and Man United for a minute, you know, there's an incident in the ninety fourth minute where Hoyland's literally about to get fucking German suplexed in in the box. And that's not even looked at. Like, I don't know. I, I have found some of the decisions this season to just be absolutely pathetic. The goal that City scores, it's 100% offside. That's in, in the in the law, the letter of the law, that's offside. Um, and I'm not trying to sit here and bitch and moan, but I, it shouldn't have counted realistically. Um, but I, again, I completely agree with you as well, Connor. Julian Alvarez is an absolutely phenomenal player. If, if I can... You know, sort of link it back to one of our episodes over the summer where I think it was our end of the season awards or it was definitely one of our, our finishing episodes of last season where we had a, a bit of a debate where we thought, you know, Julian Alvarez is good enough to start for any other Premier League club in his own right. And even though he had only been there a season, he'd won a treble. Could he maybe have moved on this summer, signed for another Premier League club and been the main man there? I think... His versatility, you know, he can play a striker, he can play a 10, he can play on the wing. That's so key for Pep. That's the kind of player that that, that he likes. And I just think, yeah, I completely agree with you, lad. I think he's a phenomenal player. I think he's so... He's he's so underrated. Oh, completely. I understand Phil Foden's an unbelievable player, and I'm not comparing the two, but if Phil Foden had a goal and three assists, the media would be, you know, he'd be saying, what a a performance. You know, this, this guy, like... Some of the stats last year we were reading out about his goal contributions, like they're mental. And he was only playing limited minutes. This year he's playing, and as you said, he's versatile and he can play anywhere. And in his own right, he could start in striker and probably every odd team, as we said. But like when you have Holland there as well, I've seen there 50 goal contributions for Holland in 39 games. Like, how are you going to put a guy like that out of the side? It's ridiculous. Like, City are just a monster. Well, only only eight players have more hat tricks in the Premier League than Erling Haaland. So Haaland is five, um, and you need to, like you said, take into consideration that Haaland has five hat tricks in thirty nine Premier League appearances. So that's, <laughs> their recruitment just, is like you have to give it silly credit. Their recruitment is incredible. When is the last time they bought a player that didn't perform for them? Even like players yeah. like Aki and Kanji and you know Kovacic coming to the team. Just everybody improves in that team. Pep improves every player. Um, you know that it is just it's just a great environment to go into, and any player in the world would want to go there. Like even Grealish is improving. Like it's just what a what a well run squ- or well run club. You know, just yeah. one of the best. You know, they are the best team. They do spend a lot of money, but do you know what? Now they're not spending as much. You know, they can afford to let a boy, a boy like Palmer go to Chelsea. And primarily yeah. rival. They let Jesus go. They let Zinchenko go to Arsenal. Like, this is what this club can do. They can go, that's okay. They lost Gundogan. We were worried about that. And they've lost a Bruyne at injury. And they're still scoring goals. It's mm-hmm. at a great rate. It's it's incredible. It's it's mental. It is mental, to be honest. Like, the, the it, it's almost as though, really, from last summer, what you would say is anybody that has signed for City, 
they come into the team and they look like they've been at City for about five or six years. Like there's no bedding in process. There's no process where they need to get adopted to the league. They come straight in and they make an instant impact. And it's just, it is crazy to say, but as you say, Connor, it's the correct football and environment for majority of players in the world. Like I say, if City went out and signed like Mbappe in the morning, there would be no hangover. Like he would come in and, and hit the ground running straight away. I know maybe Mbappe is a bit of an extreme case there because he probably come in and hit the ground running at most sides. Like, but um, it is you're completely right. It is just that, that type of environment. Um, moving on then to the last Premier League hat trick of the game week, um, and what a hat trick it was for our very own Evan Ferguson. Uh, Brighton three, Newcastle one. Um, so Evan Ferguson, he is the uh, fourth 18-year-old to score a Premier League hat-trick. Um, Brighton returning to winning ways. It was a 1.42 to a 1.3 XG in favour of Brighton. Six shots on target to two shots on target in favour of Brighton. 56 to 44% uh, percent possession in favour of Brighton as well. Connor, just before we get to Brighton, I think we'll start with Newcastle. as three losses in a row after the absolutely impressive, more than impressive start on the opening day of the season. You know, the drop points against Liverpool were really, they should have seen that game out. The played Man City were, they did make it difficult for City, but they never really created any clear-cut chances. And now, you know, they've gone to Brighton. And okay, maybe they did stick in the game a bit, but I, I just think in terms of, in terms of when the ball goes forward for Newcastle, Connor, I don't know if you would agree with me, but I just think there is a real lack of invention up there. And when, when we just talked about Madison a couple of games ago, that was a player they were very heavily linked with and they ended up not signing. Do you think they're missing that kind of number 10? Yeah, you, you could see that. Yeah, they're, they are struggling to score goals. And I, I actually think, you know, as she looked at their fixtures last year, and they had eight points from seven games, the first seven games, and they still got top four. Uh, they went on a big run. They've had a very difficult start. As you said, they should have beat Liverpool. They will be kicking themselves because if they had six, after, six out of 12 with them games they've had, like away to City is hard. Brighton are a very difficult team to play against as well. I actually think, yes, they are struggling to score goals, but I think it's at the back. You know, you're starting... Uh, Burns and centre back and Matt Target and left back, you know it's just not good enough. You know Matt Target couldn't get in the Aston Villa team, so how is he starting for Newcastle? I know there's been injuries. They have this guy Hall coming in as well, but Burns as well. I think it caught out last week brutally. They left him one on one at the end of the game. They've lost um, who's the centre? Oh, Batman. He's injured. So yeah, that's one position they didn't really strengthen in. They didn't really get a centre back in another centre back. They're really low on that, and I don't think Burns is good enough. Uh, especially for a Champions League side. You know, the Brighton fans were laughing at them, saying, Champions League, you're having a laugh. And they just didn't look good enough. And as you said, like, creatively, like, Brighton are, they have so many creative players compared to Newcastle. Um, but yeah, if I was a Newcastle fan, I would be worried. They've had a difficult start. But the quality of opposition they have played has been very, very good. But I think it's more at the back. They concede a lot of goals. Pope as well, um, dropped by England and had a very poor game. Especially the very first goal, you can see that he was, he was at fault. And the second goal was a great shot, but I don't know. Some goalies may think they might get there. Um, but for Newcastle, it, it does seem to be like they're really low in confidence. And, you know, Isaac as well, he, he hit the ground running and we were talking him up and he hasn't scored since. And he has been, you know, he's been taken off every game. And actually Callum Wilson off the bench has been 
pretty impressive, more impressive than he has. So I think Newcastle will get it right eventually, but the standard this year is very high as well in the Premier League. Like Tottenham have improved Liverpool. Top five, top four, top five could be more difficult for Newcastle. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And just when you're talking about Don Byrne, like they have a Champions League group where he's going to be up against Kylian Mbappe and Rafael Leao. Um, so good luck to them because he'll probably get more inside out. To be honest. Um, but quickly, just moving it to Brighton, Connor. Uh, most open play assists this year um, in the Premier League, Kairou Matoma with three. Most open play chances created in the Premier League this year, Kairou Matoma with 14. And the highest open play expected assists total, Kairou Matoma with 1.83. So, again, just highlighting, it was Ferguson that got the goals, but I was particularly impressed with both Estupinian and Matoma. I think that left-hand side for Brighton is going to cause teams a lot of problems this year. Matoma is... One of the best dribblers I think I have ever seen play the game of football. His close control, his ability to beat a man is ridiculous. Estupinian can do it on both sides of, of the pitch. His attacking prowess is phenomenal. His defensive work at the back is great too. And I know a lot of people say you can get it to Estupinian, but I actually thought that he really held his own against Newcastle the other day and was maybe the standout defender for Brighton. And then you have Ferguson up top to finish it. Bearing in mind, we have Barcelona's Ansu Fadi to come into this lineup as well, which is fucking mental to say. Like, Brighton have signed one of the hottest prospects in European football from Barcelona on loan for a season. Uh, it's just magical at, at Brighton at the minute, isn't it, Connor? Yeah, it's, if I was a Brighton fan, the way they play football deserve be unbelievable. You know, the, the players that have come in, again, it's like City. Every player that's come in has just improved. And... You know, Fatty was linked to Spurs and he chose Brighton. And I think that is because he knows he's going to get game time and he knows he's going to improve as a player. I think it could be the best thing that ever happens in his career. Um, as you said, Matoma, what a player. I think I named him Player of the Week a few weeks ago. He's just so exciting. And was it last season? The minute I think he had the most, he beat the most players in the box in Europe. He just, he's just, he just goes for it. You know, he just goes at players and he's not afraid to lose the ball. And he just has that confidence. And that's just been his. his Still in him by the manager. Um, you know, Gilmore, he's been brilliant for them too. You know, a player that a young player, but he was struggling last season or the last few seasons at Chelsea, but he's just improved massively. I thought, you know, Sully Marsh as well needs a shout out because he's I think he's been a brilliant player for Brighton, and I think he sh- should have got an England call up, to be honest, um, on form. And Pascal uh gross as well. You know he's top scorer, Brighton all-time top scorer, and he's a he's a really good player too. Um, but Ferguson, yeah, unbelievable. Um, really, really exciting as well because he's Irish. Um, he's just he's just an all-round player, and you know he's just he's just got everything. Um, people comparing him Shearer and you know Harry Kane and players like that because he is just so exciting, and he's eighteen, and he's. You know, he just doesn't. He's been. It feels like he's been eighteen forever, to be honest, because he's just came to Brighton and he's just hit the ground running. And you know, I think that he could, just, as Deservey said, and Deservey's a top coach, and he says he will become world class, and he'll be a, a he'll be European, he'll be a European top scorer. And to hear that from that, that caliber of manager, you know, the world's his oyster, like it is. That's it is completely and. Realistically, when you look at Brighton's side, he will be the next 150, 200 million pound export from from Brighton. Um, and he is just, he's a special talent, a special, special talent. At 18 to be scoring Premier League hat-tricks, 
four goals this season already. Like, yeah, he's he's just he is just a special player, and I can't wait to see his development. And I am hoping and I am praying. And if anybody out there is listening to me, bring him to Man United, please, because that's that's the the profile yeah. of striker. We said that. We said we that did. summer. We need a player like that. You know, an all round player that can score goals. We yeah. are missing that. Like I'm not, you know, insulting the striker we brought in, but he was, and he's Premier League proven already. You know what he did? Yeah. It's mad. It's, it's mental. It is mental. But we'll move it on then to Stamford Bridge, Chelsea nil, Forest one. Uh, Chelsea twenty one shots. They had a two point one three xg, but could only find the target with uh, two of their shots. Uh, Forest win at Stamford Bridge for the first time in ten visits. So, Connor, this game, <laughs> I just feel like it's the it is just a smash and grab from Forest really. Um, Chelsea, I actually did think Chelsea played quite well. Um, the chance creation, a lot of chances created, but I think we're still saying the same thing with Chelsea. As much as I want Nicholas Jackson to do well, because I really, really like him, and, and I was picking him up in the summer saying this was a fantastic signing for Chelsea. You know, Chelsea needs a striker that when he gets one chance, the ball ends up in the back of the net, and Jackson gets that one chance, and the ball doesn't end up in the back of the net, and it is sort of becoming increasingly hard to defend them. Um, what did you think of the game then, Connor? Do you think that the result was deserved, or do you think Chelsea realistically could have pushed on and, and won the game? Um, back to the wall, kind of, you know, by force. It's mad actually forced had more shots on target than Chelsea, and Chelsea dominated the game. But yeah, I thought, well, Chelsea, I said a few weeks ago, they lost to West Ham, and they did look good. They did, like, this is the thing about Chelsea. When you watch them, you're like, they have a, they, they actually play good football at times. But as you said, Jackson's a miss. Again, all round, he's a really good player, exciting player. Even against Liverpool, he missed big chances. He, he just, you know, Chelsea are missing that number nine that's going to finish the ball in the back of the net because when is the last time they had that? It's been a long, long time. Um, you know, you have to give Forrest credit. And do you know what? I, I've been impro- or impressed with Forrest this year. You know, they went away to the Emirates. They went at Old Trafford last week. They gave us trouble. They were 2 0 up. And um, then they beat Sheffield United and they've got this win to, or on Saturday. Um, you know, Alanga, good finish. Um, I actually was impressed with him. He came on. I think uh, one of their players got injured. But as we know, he has got talent. He just hasn't really shown it in long spells. We'll see if that happens. But yeah, with Chelsea, it's, you know, Pot- or, um, Pochettino's coming out after the game and he's saying, you know, it's just frustrating because it is going to happen eventually. There is going to be a game where Chelsea are going to come out and I think shock people. Like they'll just score goals for fun. I know they beat Luton last week, but Luton are not impressive at all. But you know, do you know a mad statistic I seen in this game? It was for, that's for second win away from home in the Premier League since they've been promoted again. That is mental. How did they stay up last year with that record? I do not know. But was forced as well. They made seven transfers. They got Sangarian. They got um the Irish centre back. They got Tavares from uh, Arsenal. They got um Adoy three million. That's a steal. Uh, I know they lost Brandon Johnson, but Forest actually, you know, I kind of said I think I said they come fourteen fifteen. They could be a surprise because they play really good football. As we said last year, they've a very good manager, you know, and they done the right thing. They stuck with their manager because if they didn't, I think they would be in the championship right now. So. For Chelsea, it's frustrating, but we'll have to give Forrest credit because it was a bit of a smash and grab. And Turner as well, and goals has looked very, very good. Um, but Forrest, for me, uh, 
people say they deserve like Chelsea were the better team, but Forrest, fair play to them. The the road they're look a bit, but uh their first one since nineteen ninety five at Stamford Bridge. And do you know what? They took their chance and they, they earned the three points. Yeah, completely. Completely agreed. Uh the credit does have to go to Forrest. Uh Alanga in particular. It was well taken finish. Look, a lot of people would have said, you know, not good enough for Man United, but I mean He's impressed so far at Forrest. Goal and assist in, in his first four games. Doing what he needs to do. Looks exciting every time he comes onto the pitch. So, yeah, I think Sangare is a massive signing for them. They've just went to PSV. Poached their best player. <laughs> 35 <laughs> playing million. 35, 35 million. million. Yeah. That's how much they can just spend. That's just how much the Premier League has changed. It's mad. It's crazy. Crazy. Like PSV playing Champions League football, but no, we'll, we'll just coach <laughs> you. Player. And Sangari, like he was linked to Arsenal, was linked to Man United, was linked to Chelsea. Like this is a this is a top top player, and and he's made his way now to to the city ground. So look for play. The the <laughs> things are looking bright for Nottingham Forest at the minute. Well, we'll move it on to the uh, to the GTAC Community Stadium, uh, Brentford two, Bournemouth two, uh, a three point two nine xG to two point two xG in favour of Brentford, seven shots on target to five in favour of Brentford, sixty one to thirty nine percent possession in favour of Brentford, and the man of the moment again, Brian and Burmo, scoring the stoppage time equaliser. He just can't stop scoring at the minute. From Tony um, has has exited the side. Him and Visa up front, they are just a dangerous duo at the minute. And really, even though the stats would suggest that Brentford were very much the dominant force in this game, I thought at times, and for patches of 10 to 15 minutes, Bournemouth looked really, really exciting. Uriola, it looks to be a really interesting coach, a coach that wants to play on the front foot. Um, what did you make of the game then, Connor? Was it a fair result, or what, what, what way did you see it? Um. I do agree with you. I thought Bournemouth at times looked very, very good on the ball. Even against Spurs, they looked very good. Um, but Brentford, you know, they hit the post three times. Um, your boy, did you see Potter's miss? I don't know how he missed. It was a yard out. I think it hits off his knee, hits the post. Comes the whole way across, hits inside of the post, comes out somehow. Um, you know, Bournemouth were winning and then was in the 90th minute, as you said. Um, Wemo st- stood up, got the goal. Uh, it's Two twos, probably like in a way, it's for like for Brentford. It really is. You, they get countered a lot. The Solanke goal was off the count, off the counter. A Henry mistake, Rico Henry, who again has been really impressive this year, and I think again could have got a call up for England. But um, like Brent, Brentford have only lost one of their last eighteen at home, and they're looking they're looking good. But it's just third successive home draw. That's an issue. It's killing off teams. But it was a really exciting game, and I think Bournemouth will be really exciting to watch this year. I don't know how that's gonna, you know, that two draws is it in four games? They need to get more points on the board. But you know, I think the manager even after you know uh, Frank was saying they played really, really well, and to only get two goals, they really should have scored more. You know, your boy Shade as well. He had a really good run. He looks exciting as well. You know. I think with Tony maybe there, they would have won that game. I think Tony is a big miss. I know they do, the other players have stood up too, but Tony's a proven goal scorer, and I think he would have finished one or two of them chances that they missed. Yeah, I do agree with you, Connor. I do agree. And look, I, I do. I think Shad is very, very promising. The goal he scored last week was taken very, very well. And he's he is so, so quick. I think that's something that people need to sort of stand up and take notice of. This kid is really, really, really fast. Um, I agree. I think on the balance of play, a draw, deserved result. Um, I think, yeah, if Tony plays, maybe, maybe Brentford go on and, and nick that game, maybe 3-2, 4-2. But 
look, that's just that's just the part and parcel of it, really, isn't it? Um, well, we'll move it on then to uh, Sheffield United and Everton finished two apiece, uh, 1.24 to a 2.58 xG in favour of Everton, uh, eight uh, shots on target to six shots on target in favour of Sheffield United, uh, but. Uh, 40, uh, 45% to 55% possession in favour of Everton. Connor, this game in itself, really, I would say Everton have dropped points here through uh, a mistake, really, from, from Jordan uh, Jordan Pickford. Um, I actually thought that although both sides did create like a good share of chances, I, I really did think this was sort of Everton's game to you know push on and get the first three points on the board and, and really... They did disappoint, um, to be completely honest. It's just that lapse in concentration has cost them two points. And, and really, that could be two points at the end of the season they look back on and go, well, that could have kept us in the Premier League. So just what was your assessment of the game, Connor? And like, are, are you worried for both of these teams? Yeah, definitely worried for both these teams. I, I would agree with you. They went 1-0 up early. Everton got their first goal of the season. It's only, it's only took them four games. Um and they really should have scored another. There was a few chances. I think I think that guy Beto up top, um, that they got uh from Italy, um, from Syria. He looks very good. Um, again, it's just gonna be his finishing. Uh, that's what Everett needed a striker, a focal point. Um, Dan Juma obviously scored, but then, you know, Everton could have really killed them off. I think a second goal might have killed the crowd, killed Sheffield United off. Didn't get it. Your boy Archer stood up, goal and an assist. Um, I was really impressed with him. Him and McBurney kind of worked well together, big man, small man kind of thing. Um, but Everton will be kicking themselves, you know, poor defending, lapses in concentration. This is the same things we we have been saying about Everton since last season. And Sean Dyche has come in, and it hasn't changed. You know, they're conceding poor goals, and they're not taking their chances. And they were very like they were lucky enough to even get the draw at the end because Pickford makes that save onto the crossbar and then somehow hits it onto the post. I think it hits his head. Um, but I'd be very worried for both sides. I think Everton, the only way I can see Everton stand up is because Burnley, Luton and Sheffield United are worse than them. Like they are that bad. I think it's just the difference in last year to this year is the promoted sides are a lot worse. Um, but I, obviously I think Everton, obviously some good players like Onana and Garner and Danjuma looked okay, but Everton could be in serious bother. Yeah, they they really really could. I, I I completely agree, Connor. They really really could. I think Sheffield United, fair play to them, stuck in the game. I think Archer's an exciting an exciting player. You know, managing to pinch him from Aston Villa, like he was one of the sort of top touted young players within the Premier League. So it's going to be interesting to see how his development works out this year and, and what he does in the Premier League. But moving on, then we'll go to Friday night's game. Uh, Luton one, West Ham two. First Premier League game at Kenilworth Road. Uh, West Ham. Goals from Jared Bowen, Kurt Zuma. They earned them the first top flight uh, victory at Candleworth Road in 31 years. It's a 1.43 to a 1.06 XG in favour of uh, Luton, believe it or not. And it's uh, one shot on target to three shots on target in favour of Newcastle. Connor, the one player I want to key, on in, key in on in particular is Lucas Pacaba. Obviously, big subject of transfer rumours this summer. Could have went to Manchester City for big, big money. A lot of people questioning why the hell would City want to spend that kind of money. Then you see a performance like that on Friday night. He was here, there and everywhere. Put the defensive hard yards in. Retained the ball very, very well. The assist for Jared Bowen. The overall creativity from Lucas Piquetta. 
that's the kind of performance that West Ham signed him for, and that's the player we've been waiting to see, really, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, towards the end of last season, he really did start impressing, and even last week against Brighton, I thought he was very good, and against Chelsea as well. He's been, you know, a lot of players, you know, in his situation, maybe throw the toys out of the pram and, you know, lose the head, but he has really stood up for West Ham, and I've been really impressed, and as you said, it's not even his creative play, it's his work rate as well, how hard he works for the team, and you know what, actually like Newcastle, like Newcastle are missing that kind of player, that creative player, and West Ham have it, and you can see why, uh, you know, City were looking to spend big money on him, uh, you know, like Zuma as well, I thought was really, really good, centre-back, he's their captain now, and he put in a really good performance, not even his goal defensively, he was brilliant, because Luton liked to just play the high ball in, and you know, hope for mistakes, and it didn't really work, obviously, like, you look at the midfield, I was going to say, it's Paqueta, Ward Price and Alvarez. That's a really good midfield for West yeah, Ham. You know, Siochu, uh, or Sochak, sorry, he is a good player, but I think he can be dodgy at times, a bit slow. Like a lot of West Ham supporters do not rate him, and I think he will get dropped. And I think that midfield is a very strong midfield. And I don't think West Ham will challenge or anything like that, or I don't even think they'll get top four. But you can see that the. They'll have a go at the Europa League and have some really talented players like Jared Bowen as well. Really good player. Uh, but for Luton, I, I don't know what you think, but we kind of slagged them before the, the season started and I'm going to continue slagging them. Um, one shot on target. You know, I know they did have a higher XG, but I just don't know where goals are going to come from and not a good side. I mean, they're playing two big men up top. Like, that, just that, lump that it forward. Home. It's Sunday League. Exactly. That whole myth was disproved when Burnley got relegated. You know, the two big men up top doesn't work anymore. I do think there are some talented players within that side. Players that I've been particularly impressed with from Luton. The left-back Giles, we talked about him during a summer transfer episode. Me and you had a lot of positive things to say about him, Connor. I'm really, really... I, I, I think even if they go down, that's the type of left-back that a team could go and pick up. And really, I could see him playing at a, at a much higher standard to be completely honest. His creativity, his ability to put a ball in the box really excites me, to be honest. They brought Kabore on as well. Again, he's another very exciting young player. Chong in midfield. I actually thought Chong did all right the other night. Like This is a guy who I was really, really not impressed with when he played for United. But so far for Luton, I think his performances have been quite steady and I think he looks absolutely fine. Nakamba in at CDM looks pretty decent too. I don't think it's all doom and gloom for Luton at the minute, and I don't want to be too negative on them after four games, but, I mean, look, we were slagging them from from the predictions episode. Like, they just haven't done enough, realistically. They've spent, their net spend's like 22 million or something. Like, it's not, it's not enough. Like, it's, it's not, it's not enough to keep you in the Premier League these days. And it is unfortunate for them, but, look, what, what do you do, realistically? West Ham, better side on the night, simple as. And the final game of the game week, Connor, will do Crystal Palace 3, Wolves 2. Uh, since Roy Hodgson's first game back as Crystal Palace manager on the 1st of April, they have won more Premier League games with 7 than Arsenal with 6. Um, Edward with 7 attack and sequence involvements, Eze with 6. They were the, mo- the two most in the game. It was the Edward show really out there, Connor, wasn't it? I mean, this is a guy we criticised very, very heavily last season on the podcast. Obviously had a great scoring record at Celtic looked like it wasn't going to work out at all in the Premier League. He just looked so far off it. But this season, he is coming in, he's scoring goals, and he's doing exactly what, almost like what he was doing at Celtic, really, isn't he? 
Yeah, the first goal, you know, he gets in there in front of the defender, gets it in in the net. That's a, that's a poacher goal. And obviously his quality, and we've seen it at Celtic, and he's starting to show it. And Roy Hodgson, what, what a job he's done. I couldn't believe he came back. But as you said, seven wins, more than, like one more than Arsenal. Like that is crazy. And Eze as well, what a player. Great goal. I've seen the first three games, he had 16 shots. And he finally gets a goal. If you keep shooting, you'll eventually score. I thought Lerma in midfield and Decore, that's a really impressive midfield duo. You know, Mateta came off the bench, two assists. Palace are starting to look a bit more exciting. I did see after the game, though, even Roy Hodgson said Wolves deserved more. I thought Wolves, you know, the stats don't show it, but they were, you know, they controlled the game. And as we keep saying, they just can't score goals. They scored two goals, but one was like at the end and they were 3 1 down. It's just they just don't take their chances. Uh, and again, maybe they just don't create enough as well. It is worrying times for Wolves a wee bit. I, I did tip them to go down. I'm not too sure because of the quality of the other teams. But, you know, Palace just made the most of their chances. And Roy Hodgson said it wasn't their best performance, but it's a big win. And again, they could be a side looking at a top half finish because they have some really exciting players. Big time. Big time. I think, Connor, the one thing we would have said is you never would have expected when Wilfred Zaha left Palace to be saying they actually look like a better side without him than they did with him, which is so ludicrous. It's, it's crazy to think that, but they really, really do. I mean, guys like Elise, Eze, Edward, Mateta, Decore, Lerma, and now Dean Henderson as well. These guys are all going to get a chance to stand up and be counted and really show show the quality that, that they have. And I agree, Connor. I don't think a, a top-half finish is really out of the realms of possibility for, for Crystal Palace this season. You know? You're right, though. Like As we said in the summer, we were like, they're going to lose Aha, Will these players step up? And they've definitely stood up. They're really impressive. And Rob Holding for three million or four million, that's a good signing as well. And your boy Mitchell starting to play well again. You know, Anderson at the back. It's not a bad side. It's not. It's not, and I agree, lad. Rob Holding for four million—that is an absolute steal. Look, we all know Holding like his limitations, but Jesus Christ, like the man was playing for Arsenal. You know, you don't look as as much as we like to banter clubs and, and banter about certain players and stuff. Like you don't you don't play for Arsenal if you're a bad footballer. And like Rob Holding's going to come in there and he's going to make that Palace defense a lot stronger. They're going to have Anderson, Gehi, and Holding to to rotate between. Very very strong. Very 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 strong. Well, that'll do it for the Premier League coverage. Um, we'll move it on to our picks of the week. We've no, obviously, I'm sure you have worked out now, no Warren this week. So we'll save the feature game for next week's episode. Um, so, Connor, coming to you, player of the week, who, who, who did you tip this week? It's so difficult because there's been so many good performances, like three hat-tricks. You know, Son got a hat-trick. Ferguson, you know, Alvarez, well, goal and three assists. You know, Edward, two goals. Rice played really well. I'm going to give it to Ferguson. Maybe a bit of bias, but I thought he was really impressive. All-round performance, brilliant. Um, all his goals from play as well. Like a poacher for the first goal. Brilliant second goal, you know, into the corner. And then third goal, a bit of luck. But he's willing to take the shot. And he, he said that, he kind of said at halftime, the, kind of, the manager said to him, you know, take more risks, go for shots. You know, and he has that in the locker. He has the poacher goal and he has the long-range goal. And... He's just an unbelievable player. As we talked about earlier, like this lad could do big, big things in, in football and he's going to cost an absolute fortune for any club looking at him. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's such a special talent. Like we're seeing it already. He, he, he almost plays like a 30-year-old. You know, he has the correct positioning. He, he always seems to sort of make 
really, really strong runs into the box. He's powerful. He's he's big. He's deceptively quick, I think. And I think a lot of people don't actually realise how quick he is. Um, and then, obviously, he has tremendous finishing ability. You know if you put chances on a plate for him, the ball's going to end up in the back of the net. So I think that's a great pick for a player of the week, to be honest, Connor. And I don't think there's any bias in it at all. I mean, there was three hat-trick scorers. You know, you're oh. just... You're, you're taking your pick between the, the three hat-trick scorers, really. And to be honest, out of the hat-trick scorers, I think Ferguson's is probably the most impressive, just considering his age. and I mean, Against those, Newcastle as well. Exactly. 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 Um, my fantasy player of the week. Um, again, there's no games next week, but this will be for the following week. Um, I, I'm going to go Brandon Burmo. I just think he's on a very, very, on a real hot streak right now. I, I actually took Vissa a couple of weeks ago, but I'm, I'm going to swap it around now. And no doubt when I swap it around, it'll be Vissa that scores rather than a Burmo. But I just think that the streak that he's been on, Brentford have some favourable fixtures in their next couple of games. And I think at the price, he's 6.5 million. I, I think that has to be a player uh, that, that you have to just take a punt on because Burmo is consistently scoring goals for Brentford at the minute, really. Um, yeah, I've had him, I've had him in from the start. Just because basically he's cheap and he takes penalties, so yeah. And Brentford seem to get a lot of penalties, and he doesn't miss them. So and then now from all round play, he's really impressed as well. Um, you know he he didn't score last week, but he scored this week. And then game week two, I think he got a goal, no two goals. So I think that that is a good pick, and I have him in as well. Um, just like his even his price, the amount of goals he's scoring, it's definitely exactly. worth it. Exactly, lad. The the price the price is the biggest thing that draws you towards them. You know, that's I think that's what my fantasy picks this week. I'm going to go for. I'm going to go for those players. You know, that aren't going to sting you a massive amount, but that the earlier you get them in, the 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 least likely you're going to be to be stung for them in the future. Um, but that's going to do it for this week's uh, folks. Thank you very very much for tuning in. Um, again, apologies for not having an episode there last week, but that is us fully back now and ready to to make content. Um, we will have an episode next week. We're going to be doing uh, one thing that we've each learned from every Premier League club in this early portion um, of the season so far because it is an international break and we want to keep the football content rolling to you. Um, please give us a follow at Bottom Bins Pod. That's Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. Head on over there. We're going to have plenty of updates, plenty of content coming up on those platforms in the next few weeks. And as always, keep it Bottom Bins. Keep it Bottom Bins.